Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Simon Mills. I'm a senior consultant at Zien, and I would like to welcome you to the launch of the 10th edition of the Global Green Finance Index. I'm joined by Mercedes Vela Monserrate, the head of sustainable finance at Abu Dhabi Global Markets, and Mike Wardle, who is our director and head of indices at the Zien Group. Now, the agenda for this webinar is very simple. Following my brief introduction, Mercedes will set the scene with a brief presentation on sustainable finance in Abu Dhabi, following which Mike will take you through the results of GGFI 10. Now, I'm afraid that you're all muted, but you are able to submit your questions to our speakers at any point of the proceedings using the chat tool to the right of your screen. I'm going to be collating your questions and I will put them to Mercedes and Mike at the end. Now, as with all of our webinars, we're going to be recording this session and you're going to be able to access the slides and the presentation <laughs> at a later date. Now, before we move on, I really must thank Abu Dhabi Global Market, who are the sponsors of this edition of the Global Green Finance Index. And without stealing Mike's thunder, I'd like to make a few observations about the results. At Zien, we love data, and from each of the last 10 editions of the Global Green Finance Index, built by analysing hundreds of instrumental factors and thousands of professional responses to our questionnaire, we've built a, a picture of the evolution of sustainable finance. Now, that much-abused cliché from the niche to the mainstream holds true, as we've seen those standard bearers of hard-nosed capitalism, US centres, really grasp the opportunities offered by sustainable finance and rise from mid-table to the top 10 in the space of four editions. Europe's complacency has also been shaken by the rapid rise of centres in the Middle East and Africa. But this newfound zeal for all things green is not without its detractors. ESG has drawn some well-publicised flack over the last 12 months, some of which is easily dismissed because it's ideological in nature. But practitioners should not rest on their laurels. Some hard questions should really be asked as to whether ESG analytics is fit for purpose in the face of the global challenges from rising populations and rising temperature. Can it be improved? And how does carbon accounting get factored into the mix? Finally, and perhaps linked to the rapid rise of US centres, the impact on national policy on climate change, can, on, on green finance, cannot be overstated. Countries which are actually integrating climate actions across their economies do well in the Global Green Finance Index. Now, I think that's probably an excellent point at which to hand over to our keynote speaker, Mercedes Vela Monserrata. Mercedes. Thank you very much, um, Simon. Um, first of all, let me let me thank you all for the invitation. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and to be able to provide you with a bit of background as to what is it that we are doing at ADGM, Abu Dhabi's International Finance Center, to move forward and scale up sustainable finance, not only across the UAE, but across the entire MENA region. So with that, um, let me just briefly uh, cover what, what we're going to be covering today, the key points. I will start with um, a bit of background as to what is it that we are seeing um, from discussions as well with the public and the, and the private uh, industry here in, in the Middle East. Uh, we'll then talk about the role of financial centers, uh, particularly with a focus on how we as ADGM, we are structured. 
And then we'll look at our sustainable finance agenda and what is it that we are doing concretely to move forward the agenda and align ourselves with the UAE strategic initiatives around climate change. So with that, let me start with the global ESG themes that we see here in the Middle East. But again, um, these, these will apply across the board. The first one, Simon, you mentioned already, I think we've seen this proliferation of financial regulation or ESG regulation all around the world. However, most of this regulation is very much ad hoc. Um, and there are so many standards that is leading to a lot of fragmentation. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have seen um, some criticisms around what's really sustainability, what do we actually mean by ESG. In Europe, however, and now we have the um, SFDR, um, the, the Americans are now looking at moving from voluntary to mandatory disclosure requirement. And in Asia, we see China uh, coming up with a similar taxonomy as the European. So slowly but shortly, we're seeing some convergence that will hopefully bring some clarity to the ESG and sustainability um, world. The second one that we are seeing, and for us, it's, it's quite relevant. It's about ESG improvement um, versus divesting from challenging sectors. Um, we here in the UAE, as you know, we are a hydrocarbon producer. So I think for us, um, the whole issue around sustainability is about helping the polluter transitioning away as opposed to punishing the polluter. And we see that kind of change uh, of thinking more and more, not only in the Middle East, but also around the world. The third one, very important, particularly again for the region, is the net zero commitment. So you see the UAE last year committed to net zero by 2050. We've seen other countries in the region, which is great. But quite a lot of scrutiny will now appear, particularly from investors, um, to not only ask jurisdictions and sovereigns, but also specific entities to come up with a specific plan. So what exactly are we doing to achieve those net zero commitments? And then finally, Simon, you also mentioned the importance of carbon markets, and this is all linked to the net zero commitments. And we see that proliferation of voluntary carbon markets now in the UAE, but also in Saudi, uh, with the announcement two days ago, uh, but also the thinking of looking into uh, compliance markets in the Middle East. So with that background, we move to the next um, um, slide. And perhaps here, I would like to, to mention or to remind the audience about the importance of um, the role that financial services um, centers play in promoting and scaling up sustainable finance. Um, think about us as the place where the demand and supply of finance comes together. So when we look at green and sustainable finance services, it cannot touch upon all different types of sectors from the banking sector, fintech, insurance, you name it. What we see is that sustainable finance is not a sector. It's not an asset allocation. It's the way investors are putting their money to work. And as a result, we need to ensure that it's fully embedded into the entire financial services sector. With that, let me briefly explain how we at ADGM are structured. Uh, I just recently came back from the UN Financial Centers for Sustainability meeting in Casablanca. It was great to be there with all different financial centers, but I realized as well that we are all kind of structured differently. 
So for you to understand as well um, how, how we are playing a key role in, in promoting sustainability, um, we at AEDGM uh, think about us as a jurisdiction within a jurisdiction. What does that mean? It means that we do not follow UAE law. We follow English common law. And we are made up of three independent authorities. The Registration Authority for Legal and Real Property uh, at AEDGM, the Financial Services Regulatory Authority, our own financial regulators, and then our own courts. So we have an independent judiciary system that indeed follows English common law. So when it comes to sustainable finance, we are already in touch with the UK, with the European, the European Commission, but also the ASEANs to ensure that our ESG framework is fully consistent with international best practices, but also takes into account um, the specificity of the UAE market. So with that, let's talk about uh, today's topic. What is it that we are doing at Abu Dhabi Global Markets to promote and scale up sustainable finance? We launched our agenda four years ago, and that agenda looks at four main pillars of work. The first one, very important, Simon, going back to the need for clarity, it's regulation. So we are working to come up with an ESG framework that will look in the first instance at two main issues. One, ESG disclosure requirements for financial and non-financial firms. And the second one will look at product requirements. Whether we're talking about green funds, green bonds, green sukuks, so that we will, the aim is to start seeing more funds, more green bonds uh, being set up at ADGM to the world. The second key pillar, it's about collaboration. Um, I think uh, nowadays everybody seems to be doing something around ESG and sustainability. But again, unfortunately, this work seems to be a bit ad hoc and uncoordinated. So we at AEDGM have decided to come up with a platform, a platform for collaboration, for the private and the public sector to come together, particularly ahead of COP28 happening next year in Dubai. So that platform is called the Abu Dhabi Sustainable Finance Declaration. We started, Simon, with five members. Now we are up to 77 members. Um, so uh, again, bringing together all that work together in a consistent way. The third key pillar, let's not forget the importance of knowledge and awareness. Huh? And on that, I would like to use this opportunity to invite you all to, to come to Abu Dhabi in November. Uh, just on time for Formula One, we are organizing our Abu Dhabi Finance Week. It will take place from the 14th of November till the 18th of November. And we'll cover many issues from asset management to fintech, but we'll have a dedicated session around sustainability on the 17th of November. And then, of course, let's not forget, like every single year, we are organizing Abu Dhabi uh, Sustainability Week together with Master. And during that week in January, we will have our Abu Dhabi Sustainable Finance Forum that will kind of kick off uh, COP28 discussions and plans ahead of the big event in November in Dubai. And then finally, Simon, <clears throat> excuse me, once we have the regulation in place, the collaboration and the awareness, the aim is to create an entire ecosystem here in Abu Dhabi at ADGM with a variety of different types of firms, vehicles, but also exchanges. So 
that brings me to concretely, what is it that we have achieved so far? Um, and, and, and the first key issue, and going back to the four pillars, is the regulatory framework. So we are very soon, inshallah, as we say here in two weeks, we'll be issuing a consultation paper on ESG disclosure requirements, but also uh, product requirements. Also, Simon, we are working with the 10 UAE financial regulators, the exchanges, the Ministry of Climate Change, and the Ministry of Finance to start working on a UAE taxonomy that will, again, kind of align with the European taxonomy. The second key issue that I would like to mention relates to cargo markets. We are the first jurisdiction globally to regulate credits and offsets as emission instruments. Um, and then, of course, I already mentioned the Abu Dhabi Sustainable Finance Declaration and the two different forums. Just to end the presentation, let me also mention that we are in fully alignment with the UAE vision and initiatives. And for those that don't know, for the UAE, climate change or sustainability is nothing new. In fact, as you can see from the slide, we are the home of the three of the largest, lowest, uh, lowest color solar plants in the world. We have also, um, we are the first country to deploy zero emission nuclear energy. We are, of course, the home of AENA, the International Renewable Energy Agency. And we have invested, as you can see, over 17 billion in clean energy projects in six continents around the world. With the UAE Net Zero by 2050 strategic initiative, we look forward at AEDGM to working with national, but also international stakeholders to move forward the agenda. And we all welcome you in uh, Dubai here next year for COP28. Over to you, Simon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mercedes. I was lucky enough to visit Abu Dhabi uh, a few years ago, and I would really urge our audience to, to take Mercedes up on, on her invitation. There is some fabulous work being done on sustainability in the country, and it, it, uh, it really is leading the world. Anyway, uh, now we need to move on to uh, the meat of today's uh, subject, which is the launch of the Global Green Finance Index, our 10th edition. Uh, Mike, if you'd like to take us through uh, this, this latest report, please. Well, thank you very much, Simon, and thank you very much, Mercedes, for that wonderful uh, overview of the uh, the action that's being uh, taken in Abu Dhabi. Um, I will be there in November, so I will look forward to uh, meeting you in person. Um, so the, the, the Global Green Finance Index um, it was launched in 2018 to track the development of green finance in financial centres uh, across the world. In the first edition of the index, we included 47 centres. We're now uh, tracking 84 centres uh, in GGFI 10. And the whole point of the uh, initiative is to encourage financial centres um, to enhance the range and depth of their green finance offering, uh, showcase be best practice um, and you know, foster a race to the top. Next slide, please. So the GGFI is a factual assessment index. That means we take account of two different data sets in putting the index together. First of all, we run a survey um, which asks finance professionals to uh, rate the depth and quality of green finance in financial centers. And the latest edition uh, uses uh, over 5,500 individual center assessments from almost 1,000 financial professionals. The second set of data we use is quantitative data drawn from a wide range of sources, 
and this data um, gives a score for each of the financial centers um, and what we do is then combine uh, using machine learning technology um, the assessments from the survey with the instrumental factors by looking at the correlations uh, between the two. Next slide please. Um, so who is it that engages with the GGFI? Um, first of all, who responds to our survey by sector? You'll see there's a, a wide range uh, of sector responses from across finance. Um, so we're pretty clear that we have um, a, a broad selection uh, of people working in financial services. And then by region, um, you know, the greatest number of respondents come from Asia Pacific, a very large uh, region of the world. Uh, Western Europe is well engaged. Um, as is Eastern Europe and Central Asia. But again, we have um, a global coverage. Next slide, please. So the headline results for GGFI 10. Um, London and Amsterdam maintained their first and second positions in GGFI 10. Uh, they've been leading the way uh, since we published the first edition of the index, either first, second, or around the top. But the really interesting move this time is that New York gained 27 points in the ratings to move into third place. Uh, Simon mentioned the rise of US centers in green finance, um, and this is a, 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 one of those things that we've noted. Um, so New York really starting to challenge in terms of uh, green finance leadership across the world. Sydney and Copenhagen have moved into the top 10, displacing Zurich and Oslo. Um, these things move around a little bit, but um, really good um, performance from uh, those centres. Uh, Western European centres still dominate the top 10, taking six of the top 10 places. US centres take three places, uh, and Sydney, as I've mentioned, entered the top 10 from Asia Pacific. But then there's seven Asia Pacific centres feature in the top 20, so there's another six Asia Pacific centres uh, challenging hard. Um, and Western European centres will need to continue to watch um, you know, the competition that's coming from other places. Uh, including, as I mentioned, from the Middle East and Africa, and I'll talk a bit more about that as we go through. Uh, the margins separating centres um, you know, are really quite close. Uh, among the top 10 centres, the spread of ratings in the index is only 42 out of 1,000, um, so there is tight competition at the top. Um, and as I've mentioned, the number of centres in the index has increased to 84, with the addition of Riyadh, Sofia and Riga uh, in this edition of the index. So the headline results I've mentioned, London, Amsterdam, New York, take the top three places. I think the uh, key result here is that um, for most of the top centres, uh, the rating has improved uh, since the last edition, um, but there's a mixed results in terms of the ranking change. Um, so you'll see um, you know, centres moving up one or two places or down a few places, um, but the top 20 is re relatively stable uh, in relation to the previous edition. Next slide, please. And then if we look at the two dimensions we track in the GGFI depth and quality of green finance, um, you'll see that London um, ranks first in depth and quality as well as overall in the index. Um, but New York actually ranked second in depth, um, just displacing Amsterdam. Um, but again, a reasonable consistency um, in, in the top. Um, but you'll see there are some um, quite different results. For example, Sydney, which comes 10th overall, ranks only 21st in depth um, and you know, does rather better on the quality of green finance. So if I were a financial center looking at these results, I'd be uh, in the case of Sydney saying, well, how can I uh, get more green finance uh, into my center? Because I know the quality of what we do 
uh, is really good. Next slide, please. And we can track the relationship between depth and quality in financial centres. Um, so those centres that are below the line uh, of trend are those where quality um, is higher in our ratings than depth. Um, those that are on the uh, above the line are those that where depth uh, scores higher than quality. Again, uh, a key message for financial centres wanting to uh, move up the index. And you'll see that um, leading centres, London, Amsterdam, and New York, actually uh, are all quite close to the line. Next slide, please. So we run the index also um, using uh, different analyses. Um, so we uh, divide the instrumental factors, the quantitative measures, into four different um, sectors, sustainability, business, human capital, and infrastructure. And then we run the index model again um, using just those, um, the quantitative measures that relate to those, those areas. And we see here that the, the leading centres, London, Amsterdam, New York, are scoring well um, across all of those areas. Um, but there are some uh, centres that do particularly well in particular areas. For example, Helsinki um, it comes eighth on sustainability on this measure, um, which is uh, well up on its overall ranking. Um, other centres um, are differently placed. Um, and again, um, you know, just looking at somewhere like Washington, which um, is fourth on the infrastructure uh, measure, um, shows that uh, centres can actually um, focus uh, their investment in different areas uh, to continue to improve uh, their financial, uh, their green finance performance. Thank you. We then um, do a different analysis where we take just the survey responses from different um, sectors of the um, finance uh, industry. And we then run the index again using all of the quantitative measures. And again, you see some really quite uh, stark differences. Um, you know, Shanghai and Hong Kong uh, do particularly well in the banking area. We we'll see that Abu Dhabi comes into uh, the 14th place um, when looked at from people who uh, are active in trading. Um, so again, just taking a different look at this, we'll see that um, depending on the uh, area of the industry, uh, which is commenting, um, centres have different reputations. Um, and this, this has you know, two effects. First of all, um, if you are doing well on trading, uh, keep um, you know, concentrating in those areas. If there's areas where you're doing less well, um, then there's conversations to be had locally with your banking or your uh, investment um, you know, professionals uh, to see how you can improve uh, and make changes. Next slide, please. I'm going to take you through the headlines for um, each of the uh, six regions of the world that we track. Uh, first of all, in Western Europe, I mentioned that Western Europe has uh, got uh, six centres uh, within the top ten. Um, and in particular, just noting that um, places like Oslo, Paris and Copenhagen, Stockholm, some of the smaller financial centres in Europe perform really well in green finance. Um, and I'll come in a little while to why I think uh, that may be that smaller niche centres um, really do challenge um, global leaders in terms of green finance. Looking at the Middle East and Africa, um, we see that um, the Emirates are doing extremely well uh, with Dubai and Abu Dhabi leading the table in Middle East and Africa and both improving their rank um, in this edition of the index. Uh, Casablanca is third in the region, um, takes the leading place in Africa. 
um, and you'll see that generally uh, centres in this region have improved their performance um, over the last since the last edition of the index. Um, I think this really does reflect um, you know, a, a, a efforts that have been made in the Middle East and Africa to really focus on sustainability uh, and sustainability finance. Um, and as Simon said, um, the centres in Western Europe and other parts of the world um, will be watching closely um, the performance of Middle East and African centres uh, over the next few years. Moving on to Asia Pacific, um, I've mentioned Sydney already coming 10th, Seoul is performing very well, uh, coming at 12th, Singapore at 16th. And you know, again, it's, it's useful to, to note that all of the centres almost uh, in this region improved their rating um, since last edition, and, and many have improved their ranking as well. Um, so the challenge to the leading centres is coming um, from other regions, uh, looking at Western Europe and the US and seeing if they can overtake. Next slide, please. I talked about North America in particular, and um, New York's performance in this edition of the index has been very strong. Um, but, but now with three centers in the top 10, um, US centers are doing uh, extremely well in green finance. Next slide, please. Uh, turning to Eastern Europe and Central Asia, Astana is um, you know, far out in the lead in this region. Uh, in terms of green finance and the Asana Green Finance um, Initiative and the Green Finance Centre um, are putting a lot of effort into sustainability finance uh, in the region. But it's good to see Sofia and Riga moving into the index, uh, showing that there's a broader spread of centres uh, in the region who are taking on the challenge of sustainable finance. Next slide, please. So turning lastly to Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, Mexico City uh, continues to be the leading centre in the region, um, but with other centres uh, really quite closely ranked um, alongside them. Uh, there isn't a great deal of difference in the rating performance uh, between the leading centre in the region uh, and the lower ranked centres. Next slide, please. One of the analysis we do in the GGFI is to look at the uh, comparative performance of centres um, in the Global Financial Centres Index, uh, which tracks global sense of competitiveness uh, generally, with their performance in the Global Green Finance Index. And you'll see that um, there are quite wide variations in some cases. Singapore, which comes third in the Global Financial Centres Index, uh, only ranks 16th in the Global Green Finance Index. Um, but we are seeing uh, a greater correlation uh, between the two measures um, than there was when we launched the Green Finance Index back in 2018. Um, but there's a message, message here for centres which are doing well in general finance um, that you know, there is room for them uh, to develop their uh, green finance credentials. So places like Hong Kong and Frankfurt, for example, who are you know, ranked in the top 20 uh, in the general Global Financial Centres Index, um, have quite a long way to pick up their performance. Next slide, please. One of the things we're interested in um, is the growth in carbon trading. We asked respondents to the GGFI survey to assess the proportion of global emissions they thought will be covered by carbon pricing schemes by 2030. And you know, the highest proportion of our respondents, one quarter, considered that over 30% of emissions will be within carbon pricing schemes by 2030. That's growth from around about 12% uh, now. Um, and 
that's really quite positive uh, in terms of uh, seeing the shift uh, to carbon pricing. Next slide, please. We also include in the uh, GGFI um, in this edition a supplement on agriculture finance, really noting there are challenges to agriculture um, faced across the world um, from supply chain disruption, damage to the land, competition for resources and other challenges. Um, and looking at ways in which finance can offer solutions through access to financial services, microfinance, microinsurance, um, ESG impact investing and sustainable finance, because um, agriculture um, is going to be increasingly important um, as the pressure on resources and climate change uh, continue to make adaptation uh, a necessary feature of the way that we uh, develop. Next slide, please. So some key messages, I think, from this edition of the GGFI. Um, we think there is need for improvements in ESG systems um, to address concerns about greenwashing, to look at complexity and the cost of ESG, um, and just to explore the impact on carbon emissions. And the growth of carbon trading, which I've just been talking about, might be part of the answer um, to work alongside ESG uh, in ensuring that carbon emissions are really borne down on um, by ESG systems. The second key message is that centres that perform well in the GGFI are generally committed to environmental improvements across their whole economy, as well as in finance. And so they have a depth of sustainability skills, uh, a commitment to sustainability change, um, you know, projects which need investment and finance, uh, which will make a real difference in terms of the sustainability economy. Um, and so in order to drive your green finance, you need to be within an ecosystem which takes sustainability uh, seriously across the economy. Next slide. And with that, I'll um, come to an end um, and over to you, Simon, to chair our Q&A session. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> now I can see we've got a lot of questions from our audience, but as the chairman, the privilege of asking the first one falls to me. Um, now we've seen a rapid rise in the quality and depth of the green finance offerings uh, of, of financial centres in the Middle East and Africa. Uh, Mercedes, perhaps this is one for you. What do you think is driving this rapid growth? Well, I think especially in the Middle East, there, there are two main objectives uh, or in the UAE uh, as part of the government vision for the years to come. Uh, and those are two, is diversification away from oil and gas. And then as well, changing perceptions, particularly around um, the region to start attracting more talents and more investments um, to the UAE and beyond. Um, I have to say as well that sustainability or, or it's, it's, it's a global um, issue. Um, and, and clearly we, as an international financial center, we see more and more cross-border businesses operating from and to Abu Dhabi. Um, and there's a huge pressure, um, not just from financial regulators, but from investors. In fact, what we're seeing here is that ESG or sustainability has outpaced financial legislation. And hence why we are all seem to be running around, coming up with different policies to avoid what might cover as well, uh, such as greenwashing. So we see, um, um, we see a big uh, focus on sustainability for the years to come as the new norm. Uh, the new norm of doing business and fully embedded into the entire economy, but also financial services sector. 
Thank you, Mercedes. Now, uh, a very topical question here. Uh, do you detect any pausing of the drive towards green finance in the light of current geopolitical issues and the energy crisis that we're facing? Are we seeing um, perhaps the foot being taken off the accelerator in decarbonisation and, and perhaps uh, uh, more money going into more traditional fossil fuel sectors? Dude, I think with that, uh, we need to be pragmatic. Um, so this is about making the world healthier and wealthier at the same time. And as long as the world relies on hydrocarbon, uh, we need to make sure that those hydrocarbon as a, are as low um, carbon intensive as possible. Um, and hence why it's so important to start looking at technology that will help us to get there and then use short-term instruments such as carbon markets um, to reduce those emissions. Uh, so, so again, given the energy crisis, uh, we, we need to make sure, I think if, if anything, the focus should be on the transition, the need to transition away, the need to diversify away, but being pragmatic. And again, as I, as I mentioned, making sure that, that we're making both the world healthier and wealthier at the same time. Uh, now, Mike, I've got a specific question for you. You mentioned that smaller international financial centres are very competitive against some of their larger rivals. Why do you think this is and what recommendations would you have for a small IFC who wanted to improve their competitiveness in sustainable finance? I think there's, the, there's two things going on here. Um, the first is that uh, a lot of the smaller IFCs that are doing well are in Western European centres and they've had a policy drive and a societal drive uh, towards more sustainability um, for a number of years. Um, so you know, we know that green finance are actually driven by regulatory systems at the moment, um, you know, it is different from general finance. And so places which take sustainability seriously in the whole economy um, that are driving sustainability um, through regulation in particular, uh, making it happen, um, have had a, an advantage uh, in the past and we think that will continue. The second bit of the answer is about uh, niche markets. Um, so somewhere like Luxembourg, which is you know, a relatively small centre in terms of the general finance, um, you know, was one of the first, was the first to be in the game of having a green uh, segment on its stock exchange, heavily into green bonds, um, and has developed real expertise, um, which you know, shows up uh, in its ranking uh, on the Global Green Finance Index. So I think those two things, first of all, an environment which is you know, strongly um, supportive, and secondly, finding um, your, your place as a niche. Excellent. Now, I've got uh, quite a provocative question here. Are you finding that uh, centres that are subject to uh, reputational damage by greenwashing allegations are suffering in the GGFI rankings? I don't, don't have any direct evidence that that's happening. Um, and, but certainly the reputation of centres 
um, is affected um, by this, but by the kind of the news story which goes around uh, when these things happen. Um, what I'm not clear though is yet that the financial centre is held responsible for that, uh, as opposed to the companies uh, or the uh, data providers which are perceived to have been involved in greenwashing. So on the whole, I think it is the the, the, the companies, the banks um, that take the hit, um, but the financial centre is more judged on whether its framework and regulatory system is able to deal with those things if they happen. And I think sort of cases in Germany, for example, show that actually, you know, where, where things go wrong, uh, if the regulatory systems step in, um, then the reputation of the centre isn't going to be harmed. If a centre is seen to be um, colluding um, by allowing greenwashing to take place, I think that's when there would be a reputational hit. Uh, now, ooh, now this is a thorny one, Mike, and you're going to wince. Um, does the index uh, reflect uh, green finance within the insurance sector? So uh, how is insurance reflected within the GGFI? But I mentioned the, there's two sets of data we take into account in the index, both um, professionals who uh, complete our survey um, and the uh, instrumental factors, the quantitative data. Um, and the answer to this question is really is that the insurance professionals who complete the survey, uh, which have an impact on, uh, on the agenda. The instrumental factors, the quantitative data, um, you know, look at the generality in terms of the amount of, of green finance which is taking place in the centre, but don't really go into the details of the different um, industry sectors. So it's really the insurance professionals that complete the survey, uh, which have an impact on uh, financial centres ratings from an insurance perspective. And I, th I, th I think it's also worth mentioning that with insurance, insurers should be factoring climate change into their, uh, into their risk management strategies. And uh, with regards to how green finance impacts on insurance, insurers have to invest those premiums. So it, it's more the, the investment side of insurance which is impacted by green finance rather than the, the risk management side. Uh, let's have a look. Now, ah, here we go. Is there a specific regional assessment for the Middle East uh, and North Africa? Um, not specifically. We focus on uh, financial centres rather than regions. So uh, what we're doing is uh, tracking the development of individual places. Um, but you will see that we also um, group those into regions. Uh, we don't uh, separate out North Africa from the rest of Africa. Um, but it is significant that um, in the Middle East and you know, Africa, it is Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Casablanca, so the, the north end of, of, of Middle East and Africa, which are the leading centres in the region. Um, so you can take from that that there is um, you know, great strength uh, in that part of the world in terms of its green finance offer. I think it's also worth adding that we are sitting on uh, an absolute data gold mine with the, the Global Green Finance Index. Over the last um, 10 editions, we have built up a, a really comprehensive picture of, uh, of green finance across the world. And uh, we are more than willing to take a commission if somebody would like to, to commission a specific piece of research focusing on a region or a, or a particular centre we're happy to talk to you and we can we can 
do analysis on this huge trove of, of data we've got to, to provide you with answers. Uh, right, now let's have a look. Um, okay, we've got another one here. To come back to uh, the issue of, of drivers of, of green finance, um, now we've mentioned at several points that the countries which are integrating climate action across their economies do well in the global green finance index. What do you think the specific drivers are we, we, we do actually ask this question so those of you who look at the full report will see um, that one of the questions we asked in the survey is precisely on that um, question which is what are uh, the drivers of green finance um, and if you'll just bear with me um, i can give you some actual details on this um, so what we are being told um, is that policy and regulatory frameworks continue uh, to be the most important driver of green finance, uh, followed by risk management frameworks, international initiatives and academic research. So it, it really is on the policy and regulatory side um, you know, and international uh, and academic work uh, looking at risk and looking at regulatory responses. They are still the key drivers uh, of green finance. Um, less important um, but still quite high up um, are factors to do with sort of the demand side so um, you know the concern about climate change amongst the public and demand for uh, green products but really the main driver is still policy and regulatory change excellent sorry on that i would like to just perhaps just to mention um that's that one of the reasons why you're going to see an increment in sustainability and climate initiatives, particularly in the Middle East and the UAE, with the 10 UAE financial uh, regulators coming up with governance, disclosure and taxonomies, and us as a DGM incorporating for the very first time ESG into our regulatory framework. So um, watch out for the, for the next few years. Uh, this part of the world will be will taking big steps to promote and scale up sustainable finance. Excellent. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I think it's also worth adding that uh, a green finance is the sensible thing to do. I mean, doing analytics, having the, the, the full ESG data when you're making investment decisions is absolute common sense. You're, you're managing the, 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 the risk in the most effective way you can. So, uh, you know, I, I think green finance is the right thing, the right thing to do. Um, now, I'm Terribly sorry. It looks as though time has caught up with us, ladies and gentlemen. I know that some of you have still got questions to ask. Please do contact us and uh, you can email us and we'll, we'll pass your questions on to our speakers. Um, the full report for GGFI 10, as, uh, as, as Mike said, is now available to download uh, on our website. We're also going to be posting a recording of this presentation online in the next couple of days, so you can revisit our speakers. It just remains for me to thank our speakers and Abu Dhabi Global Market for making today possible. I'd also urge you to keep an eye on our forthcoming events page for more webinars, which in the near future are going to include how to save the world with rigorous carbon accounting, 
your next lawsuit coming from a river or forest near you, the EU AI Act, State of Play and Stablecoins Crypto Killer App or Killer of Crypto Investors. You can catch up with all our previous webinars on YouTube, on our website or our new Pizzazz TV channel. We do hope we're going to see you all again soon. Thank you very much, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Mercedes. Thank you. Thank you.